I am super excited to have you back for another episode of Red Receipt. It's a deep dive into the how and why of the brands we love and the creatives behind them. From blueprints to launch day, customers as community, and the detours in between. Big lessons and easy listening. Red Receipt is hosted by Antidote, the email and SMS marketing agency by people who hate boring email. Today on the show, I'm talking with Abigail, the founder of Otherland, a candle brand that allows you to burn bliss on a budget. After a childhood of dog walking and making bracelets, Abigail took that business sensibility and channeled her moderately healthy obsession with candles. We talk about the joy of the exploratory stage, launching airs, and building a support system as a founder. As always, thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy the show. Where are you, uh, where are you based out of? I'm in New York City. How about you? I'm in Orange County in Southern California. Oh, wow. Is it sunny and 70 there? Yeah, yeah, it's like uh, sunny and maybe like 85 degrees right now. Wow, that's, that's kind of hot. That's great. It's yeah, it's uh, yeah. completely gray. It's raining. Um, <laughs> but I, as I understand, we should be expecting some some flowers and kind of new new growth trees, birds, crocuses next month. So hopefully it's doing its job. Well, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, are you from Are you from New York originally, or no? No, I'm from Boston, uh, from Cambridge, Massachusetts, and I always knew I wanted to grow up and go to school and move to New York. Um, so I've been here since 2010. What uh, What did you study in school? So undergrad, I actually studied art history, um, and I. Uh, I wrote an architecture as well. I, I wrote my thesis on the architect uh, Le Corbusier and his interest in uh, health, culture, and sport and wellness, kind of in the the pre pre self care uh, era. <laughs> but he was kind of a pioneer in that. Um, and then I, I ended up uh, working at Ralph Lauren for for a while, um, and finally there in art acquisitions. And then actually, uh, I went to Columbia and I got my MBA. What, uh, what did your job entail in art acquisitions? Were you doing that for retail locations or? Yeah. So it was an incredible, like super creative, fun job. So it was, uh, yet to acquire the artwork for, stores, retail showrooms, um, and even the the polo bar and restaurant. Um, that was my last project that I worked on um, in New York. But it was, you know, Ralph Lauren is so incredible at creating these immersive lifestyle environments um, at, at a you know whole bunch of levels, um, all the way up to, you know, the, the mansion stores in New York and the restaurants and so forth to, you know, a, a shop and shop in the Macy's and King of Prussia. Um, And so they have this huge creative team that that works on that. So sometimes you would have a big budget, like for something like the polo bar and 
that would be super fun. Um, but sometimes it, you know, was super small and we had to get um, really inventive in, in what we did and created. And so um, it, it was, a, I, I learned so much from that job. And I think my whole time at Ralph Lauren, it was really creating that kind of immersive lifestyle brand DNA um, really with every collection he launches it has a whole concept and a backstory and all of these archival fabrics that go with each one so it could be you know artist at the seashore or uh modern hunting party in the woods or uh marais left bank in paris and so all of these different kind of um multi-sensory kind of experiential collections that was definitely I think a big inspiration for other land and our candle collections and having um you know the collections we work with different artists for each edition and so they have a completely different vibe and feeling um and the artwork that really takes over the packaging and the label and the lid um is kind of meant to convey that so it's kind of like a little experience in a jar is kind of our our goal did you uh, did you know at that point that you wanted to start something on your own in the future? You know, I knew I wanted to start some my own company really when I was a kid. I, I was someone who um, I, I'm an only child and I always had little businesses from the dog walking and exercising to I would make these like little bracelets and sell them at the school fair and lemonade stand and kind of you know all of those things um but then I went to college and liberal arts and just kind of fell in love with art history and so um did that but then um it was really while I was at Ralph Lauren I I felt like I was sort of separated from well I, I realized I didn't want to be in fashion but um that I wanted to start something but I I didn't know anyone I didn't know anyone who had started a business and I frankly, at that time, like I, I didn't really know how to access the startup world. Um, and so I knew I kind of had to make a career change and expand my network. Um, so it was really podcast was, was where I first learned about what happened in a startup and, um, how to build a website and, and create sales channels and, um, what funding the funding environment is and learning about direct to consumer. So really immerse myself in that. Um, and I think business school kind of created an environment that helped pave the way, um, for the idea that finally became other land that was in my last semester. It's funny because looking in from the outside, like, uh, I feel like the brand that you've built is so, uh, connected in the startup world. How did you, how did you think about like forging relationships even while you were in business school, knowing that the initial concept came out of yeah. your last semester? Yeah. Those are great questions. And, and I was like, of course, super intimidated by the world. Like it was clear to me, I could see from the, both the podcast community, um, you know, I listened to this week in startups was, that was kind of my ent entryway in, um, and reading like TechCrunch and the VC blogs and, and so forth. So I, I was hyper aware that there was this community and that I was definitely not part of it. Um, but you kind of learn about all the different characters and the New York uh, kind of, big name startups and investors and so forth. And I felt like in business school, 
if I could dip my toe into the venture side, because I didn't have my big idea when I started school. Um, I, I knew it would come to me one day, but um, I thought that if I could get in on the VC side, that I could learn about the whole ecosystem, learn from incredible founders, and and that you know the idea would come. Um, and that ended up being a great thing for me. Um, and of course, it was the career services office laughed, literally laughed at my resume when I said, I want to go work in venture capital. Um, with a resume that was like Ralph Lauren art acquisitions. Um, <laughs> they said, you're crazy. But um, it was through this like intensive consumption of startup media and um, kind of making myself this like guinea pig tester. Like I would like try anything. I would try you know, the new app, new uh products like Amazon Alexa was like a new thing. I, I would try it and like form a little opinion on it. These things I could talk about um, and actually was able, finally was able to get in first through dorm room fund, um, first round capitals uh, student fund, which was an incredible experience. And then um, at founder collective. So I became the associate uh, founder collective with uh, Michael Rosenblum here in New York. And that was just like huge, like life-changing experience um, in really immersing myself in the, the community. And, and it is so like, there are the events and it, it is such a community thing. There's that like coffee chat culture. And so I would follow up and ask for coffee chats and send a second email um, and, you know, just kind of try to fight my way in once I felt like I was ready and I had things to speak about and a opinion, I think, to, to give. And when you started getting involved in the venture world, what, what part of it were you working in directly? And also like what, um, interested you most in that side of things? Um, so I, I was working, so Founder Collective, um, so seed stage funds, they are kind of sector agnostic. Um, I was more focused on consumer things um, since it was sort of easier for me to relate to at that point. Um, and um, this, the second part of the question was. What, what interested you about the no. venture world most? Was it understanding I, like what, what exactly uh, those firms were looking for in potential investments and how, how the investments were structured and things like that? Um, it was less so, I think, about the in investing part and more about the um, like the opportunity to learn about how to, you know, put it into practice, how to actually start something and and launch uh, launch a business and what you know what are the ones that are successful and why and um kind of learning from investors and how they you know look for a business and and evaluate a market um and i think those skills and you know with that it's like learning about like lean startup methodology and um that kind of thing and customer feedback loops and and building your product that kind of thing um so yeah it was kind of like all of that and knowing that um 
you know, a, a fund would, would give me some exposure to all of that. Um, and I could try my hardest to provide value back to them, um, being the guinea pig and testing things and helping to build the community um, and, you know, sharing my thoughts. So you said by that point, you already had the idea for, for Otherland, right? So it was, uh, no. So it was my last uh, semester of school. So I was about a year into Founder Collective. Um, yeah. Oh, so by that point, you already had like exposure to uh, seeing other founders building things and also how exactly how they were viewing markets and opportunities. Exactly. And like, yeah, how do you evaluate a market like that was like a huge, I think, part. Um, but yeah, and so I had been exposed to all the the luggage brands and the, the dog food companies. Um, so learned a lot about, I think, the direct to consumer business model and the, the different variations of it at, at that point. And what what was your initial vision for for the brand? Yeah. Um, so the way that Otherland kind of came to be, I, I've been a lifelong lover of candles for sure myself. Um, and, you know, I realized in my twenties, I was like burning them every day and I might wake up and do like a 10 minute meditation on headspace app and I'd light a candle and then I come home after work or school, like exhausted, you pop down on the couch, turn on the TV you light a candle and suddenly it becomes me time. So I really love this kind of power, transformative power of, of candles and scent. And um, with such frequent usage, um, I, I suppose it, it passes the so-called toothbrush test of, of everyday use. I, I think that's a VC term <laughs> from somewhere, <laughs> but um, but of everyday use and, you know, and talking to my friends is hearing similar things. And just really realized that um, it was such a sleepy category that there just weren't any modern brands out there. So on, on one hand, you had this rise of the luxury candle brands, which are kind of a newer thing. Um, so they had really fresh, sophisticated, uh, layered fragrances that were wonderful, but so prohibitively expensive, like 65 to $90 for like a tiny little cup um, that like if, if you could even afford one, you'd be afraid to burn it. And it would sit there on your coffee table collecting dust. Um, and then on the other end of the spectrum, the more affordable brands, a big focus on these kind of like cloyingly sweet, artificial kind of bakery scents um, and, and kind of more cutesy or, or lackluster design. So it, it felt like there was this big white space in the middle where I found out we could actually work with the exact same perfumers as the luxury brands, but do it at a much more accessible price. And then the other part was to create a modern brand um, and, and really do it by bringing um, one so artists into it and sort of being taking this visual forward approach to fragrance um that would benefit us in the digital space on social and, and on our website so working with a different artist for each collection having these kind of um the, the artwork is maximalist and, and it's colorful and it's bright and expressive and so um having these different seasonal and, and artist drops um has been a big big part of it um and then building that that online community and and through the storytelling and um 
the approach is it's much different from like a candle that's rose or grapefruit um but it's all about this kind of consumable experience multi-sensory experience um and scent is the strongest trigger of of memory and emotion and so there's kind of like a lot to unpack there that it can a scent can evoke for you and so both we want to tell those stories and also like inspire our customers to kind of share that themselves so it's an interesting area where candles straddle because it's it's fragrance but it's it's so it's sort of beauty but it's also self-care and wellness and then kind of home decor too so it, it touches quite a few areas um and there's a a big market incumbent which is bath and body works and people don't even realize it um a lot of people think it's yankee candle but it's not bath and body works um and so it was a really um exciting kind of category to take on and and that um just like completely clicked and was something that i had always loved and just felt right i think it's also interesting the focus that the brand has on candles specifically like you said mm -hmm. bath and body works is the main incumbent but yet they mm -hmm. produce so many products that most people don't even realize the volume that they sell yeah. in candles totally totally um so yeah so we've been you know we're candles so far i definitely say it's like our flagship product um and, and it's a bit kind of aspirational and in that way more so than like you know, hand soap or something, but um, we do, we do plan to expand. And, you know, now that we really have the assets with these fragrances. Um, so yeah, thinking about how to expand. And one more thing I should add, um, there's a, the missing part is, is to starting Otherland was that, um, so I met my co-founder uh, actually in, at Columbia um, and we're now uh, fiancés. Uh, so we're engaged now. Um, but Sayed, uh, once I met, thank you. So yeah, <laughs> I met Sayed and, uh, he, he understood the vision and, um, so yeah, so we co-founded it together. What do you feel like were some of the biggest learning lessons or observations that you had while working with Founders Fund or Founders Collective, uh, that helped in the early days and forming the vision and even like communicating it. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of things, I mean, really close, um, inspection and investigation of a market. And, and this is just, it's like really important consumer research that you need to do as a founder. And so like, and we would do this on the venture side, but like digging into what are all the brands, buying them, smelling them, getting used to talking to everyone you know about a certain category that you're exploring, like talking to your Uber driver about, do they like candles? What candles, <laughs> uh, what brands are they burning? How often do they burn them? You know, somebody next to you uh, at a bar, the subway. So this kind of like constant, um, market research kind of going on and and then really trying to like drill down into like what's the big insight from the entrepreneur um and um i think that was something really important as well this might be a uh 
repeat of a previous question, but what do you feel like your uh, big insight was in that stage of just pure exploration and inquiry at that point? Mm -hmm. I think it really was that candles are this modern, it, you know, it's the oldest it's like the oldest product that exists, like candle, fire, like this has been around for a while, um, <laughs> forever. Um, but that it has come to be a critical part of so many people's like daily rituals and routines. It's kind of this um, anti-technological like antidote to our often superficial seeming modern era. Um, and that the existing brands just don't have a, they're not looking at modern marketing. It's all kind of through relationships with retailers. It's just so, um, I think, ripe to enter into as, as a brand um, trying to create meaningful, modern, customer-focused brand. How did you think about uh initially building the the business like in terms of uh raising like from the venture capital world that you had built relationships in um yeah and also testing in in certain ways where you could yeah um well so the first part so um lots of testing so i uh i learned to make candles myself and i was living in, in the West Village in this little 250 square foot, six floor walk up and uh, with sand. And um, in our little kitchen, it became this like candle laboratory of so all these supplies they'd gotten online, you know, the wax chips and the perfume samples um, and different wicks. And so I made these, you know, horrible, horrible <laughs> candles that, that did not smell that good. But I, I learned a lot about the process. Like, the wick, like not all wicks are created equal and you need to optimize the wick to the, the, the melt point of the wax and to the particular jar that you're using. Um, so things, things like that, that like later allowed me to talk to manufacturers with more confidence. Um, so uh, I was doing a lot of, a lot of that um, uh, and also a lot of, so I, I went out to pitch and I, I kind of needed to, I, I got a good tip actually. This is a tip from um, Haley Barna of uh, Birchbox and she's at first round, but she said, even though you're, you know, you're pitching so you can get some of that first capital so you can create a prototype, people need to smell things in these meetings that it's really good just to have like something for them to smell and touch and interact with, even if it's like, candle from the market that's you know really bad one of those really artificial smelling candles or one of the luxury ones and you can illustrate the picture so I I filled my uh away suitcase filled with uh like 12 different candles and I would it was July I remember after I graduated and I would haul the suitcase up and down the stairs six flights multiple times a day going to these pitch meetings. Um, and I thought, you know, it's a lot of energy and direct to consumer. I know a lot of people um, now at this point, this is going to be a cinch. 
and it wasn't um it wasn't at all it i uh i got rejected gosh i had probably a like 60 meetings where people said you know come back we like the market maybe come back when you have a brand it's like well i need i need your money so i can you know <laughs> create a brand and um or you know a lack of interest in in the so different different things but you know, just heard no and no and no. And so, um, so I focused on, you know, friends and family and trying to get some initial kind of capital together so we could get some of the, the brand work done. Cause I felt like the product design was actually pretty important. Um, especially the unboxing experience and having these kind of like proprietary ish surfaces where this artwork and story could unfold. Um, so raised a friends and family uh, round. So it, you know, it was, it was a smaller round, and it was enough to get started on on that branding work. And and along the way, I had been trying to build a relationship with Red Antler, um, the the branding agency. And so um, we, you know, I worked hard on that, and and we were able to. We decided to do a you know an equity cash split so I, I paid them in cash for some things and equity um for the other part of it and that was how I got my first my first kind of look at the brand and and as soon as it was more fleshed out um and we had renderings and that was easier for people to see it became um much easier to get some kind of larger um checks in to to start the business did you always know that that you wanted to work with um, a group like Red Antler that was so highly revered in brand work and also the fact uh, I'm asking you like multiple questions at once. Uh, I'm curious because you said it was hard raising money and you had to shift to focusing on friends and family. And I feel like to a lot of founders, they might become impatient and uh, not pursue like a group of that level of stature yeah. at that stage. Yeah. And I, I think the important thing is, um, not everybody, not every company needs that. Um, right. And, and there are so many examples where, um, you, you just, you, you don't need that upfront. That's something you could grow into later, but working with a freelancer, um, there's so many amazing designers out there. Um, for, for me, so I, I guess part one of the question, so yes, in, and in my startup podcasting, uh, podcast listening, <laughs> uh, heavy listening era, I listened to a podcast with, um, Emily Hayward, uh, one of the founders, of Brett Antler and, like I just remember writing all of these notes and learning about everything she was saying and how you kind of crystallize this idea into a brand identity and being just like so excited about um, kind of going through that exercise in, in my own brain. Um, and so I, yes, I, I definitely always um, aspired to maybe work with them, but like, you know, you, you had to, had to build build into that and, um, get, get to know them and sell them on this idea, um, that maybe wasn't so obvious to, to others. Um, and, and another reason why Red Antler was, I think really important was, um, 
they have lots of different design um, kind of houses under one roof. So um, we could work on brand, product and packaging design, web design, kind of all together on one team. And I felt like to, like, of course there are, you know, a million, not a million, but lots of candle brands out there or candles made from someone at home and to really have um, a product that was differentiated and that would be able to do this sort of artful storytelling. Um, we just, we, we really needed to invest in something that looked and felt different. Um, so that was a, a, you know, the biggest decision at, at that time. Um, but it was right for us, but it's not right for everyone. Did it feel, did it and, feel you know, like don't, a risk? don't spend the money if, yeah, I mean, um, I, I felt really confident in, in that decision, but certainly like, you know, you're, you're trying, you're just, you're trying to get going and get this thing started and get money in the door so you can place that first order. Like, right. Like all you want to do is to place the first order for the inventory. Um, and so, you know, you've got to figure out what's, what's right for you. But yeah, of course it's, it's always a risk. It was more money I'd ever, you know, spent on anything um it was really the first the first expense of the business was that what was it like for you bringing the brand to life with with red antler did you do you feel like you had a vision for it going into it or was it again like back to the inquiry phase with them to like Mm -hmm. discover that throughout the process well, you can bet that I showed up for that kickoff <laughs> meeting. I had, uh, well, I brought the, the suitcase of candles and I brought, uh, I had made two giant foam mood boards with all of these pictures. I had, you know, had stacks of pictures I had printed at Staples. I cut them out and put them in with push, push pins. And I was kind of trying to take my digital Pinterest mood boards um, offline. And, um, so I had lots of, lots of thoughts and ideas and they're probably rolling their eyes seeing me walk through the door, <laughs> but we had, they just have great people there and, and we had a great team and Red Antler has such a tight process. And I think that's super important, um, you know, for any creative agency, it's just like this tight process. And, they were totally willing to like hear all my ideas. And um, so it was very collaborative. Um, Obviously they're the, the designers and the the genius talent, you know, behind where we ended up. But um, I think I was, I think I was one of the more involved clients, but um, you know, it, again, it depends on the company and, and kind of where you're coming from, but especially with, my I think art background like had a lot of thoughts (laughs) yeah what was it like actually going to launch the brand after investing so heavily in that and also raising the friends and family around and kind of going into a completely new space for you professionally like being on the opposite side of the the table at that point yeah So like I was saying before, like all 
when you're starting a company, like all you want is to be able to like place that first order to have the designs finalized and like have that inventory arrive so you can go sell it through the internet. And what happened is, so I graduated from Columbia. I went out to pitch the idea. It was a summer of no's. And finally in August, we had a yes. Uh, and so we started on the branding work that fall. And I saw, I think the first version of the brand right before Christmas and come really the end of December and then the beginning of January, my mom actually passed away. She had had cancer um, and she still worked full time until um, six months before she died. And so I, I had had a little bit of flexibility, which I'm so grateful for in that time right after business school and you know during business school too to go to Boston and, and spend time with her. Um I'm I'm really grateful for that. But um my uh my dad had had Parkinson's disease for a very long time. Um he, he was um a bit older in his early 80s. And so um you know there was a lot of stuff with that and um so I had to, I remember writing that email to Red Antler and tell them, guys, we, I know we have this meeting in a couple of days, but uh, I'm going to need to pause for, for a little bit and just deal with, with all of this and all of the emotions and the grieving and the, you know, more boring administrative stuff that, that comes with something like this. And so I, I I had to take a little time and um, go to Boston and, and deal and say it was like an incredible support. Um, and come May of that year, my dad actually passed away uh, then. And so uh, coming out out of out of that, um, I felt like this company needs to get over the finish line or sorry, the it's really the starting line, but we, we need to launch and we're going to do it this year. This is going to be the year. And so I said, we're launching by the end of 2017. And so we launched on December 12th, 2017. And it was a complete race to to get there. And, um, our, you know, the first inventory, uh, arrived and I think we were up till 4am on multiple nights in a row, kind of unpacking these boxes. And then we get the candles and we realize there's bubbles and all of the labels and, you know, we're supposed to launch in two days and half of the labels have huge, ugly bubbles in them. And our friends come to help us try to relabel some candles and the friends put the wrong labels on the wrong candles, which is like totally our fault. We were so sleep deprived. We, we were like not operationally competent at this point. Um, and it was like a bunch of what felt like all nighter. So we were doing our own fulfillment and um, it wasn't, it wasn't pretty what, what we launched and we launched uh, that year that I knew we needed to launch. And so, um, you know, it's, it's so many emotions and it's, it's a really, really exciting and also exhausting day to, to get to that point. And then 
then the real journey starts. How did you manage your own mental space throughout that time with so many mm -hmm. unknown factors? Um, I know. Sorry. Right. It's like, uh, no, no, I was just going to say within it to be an entrepreneur, you have to deal with a lot of uncertainty. And then of course this brought a whole other world of uncertainty as well. And, um, I think, well, one is, um, I got myself a therapist, um, who was, I think it's a great tool for entrepreneurs. Um, I, I know it's a privilege to be able to do that, but it's something that I've really prioritized for myself, um, to have that support system. And, and even when, you know, I'm, working with my significant other. Um, it's great to have a, a third party um, or, you know, someone else I, I can really talk to about this stuff and, and have a support system for. Um, that's one thing. And then just like, I don't know, you kind of learn to like compartmentalize um, certain feelings during certain working times. And like, it, you know, you can't, you have to deal with it, deal with the feelings and, and all of that. And you know, there's a lot of journaling and um, I don't know, just like going through items and just thinking about grief. And um, it's, it's hard. And I think you can, if you can fall back on a routine, healthy routine that you don't have to think about too much, that helps a lot too. Um, but there's probably like no perfect answer. You're gonna feel what you're gonna feel and you should, you know, try to be present with that where you can and communicate to, you know, the people around you um, with what you need. Do you feel like launching the brand around that time was like an outlet for you to also kind of like escape out of the um yeah totally totally and and that was I think a a great thing um to have something I was working forward towards and I had so much energy and excitement towards um and it helped to drive me and push me and still does um yeah. And when you launched, were you uh, completely direct to consumer at that point? And what was the initial response? Like, did I'll, I'll try and only ask you like three questions at one time. <laughs> okay. So, uh, <laughs> so we launched, <laughs> so we launched uh, December 12th, 2017. And, you know, the website is up and now you need traffic. And, um, that is, is requires a lot, a lot of stuff, um, and a lot of sort of constant messaging and advertising and buzz, um, to get that constant traffic. So when we, the day we launched, we, we actually not wanted to do any paid advertising for, for a while. So we had kind of our organic social with the 
thousand people we sort of knew in our extended network following us. And then we, we did PR. So we hired a PR firm. We started with them the month before, crafted the story. And on our launch day, we had a piece in Fast Company. And that was amazing. We got so much traffic from it. Um, it was also right before the holidays. So we kind of had this like holiday gifting buzz. Um, and that's how we got our first customers. And how did you think about uh, expanding the product line? Because I feel like you've also kept it um, pretty tight over time, comparatively looking at other brands that just are constantly launching new products, yet you've been able to keep a buzz around the brand. Yeah. So our when we launched, we launched with five core collection candles. So these are year round favorite scents. Um, and then we, our model is we, we do have frequent drops, um, but you know, they're seasonal and, and limited edition kind of thematic. So um, really it was, we did a, a special candle gram packaging for Valentine's day. And then that first year um, with the seasonal. So we did a, a spring collection. We did a special edition with artist Amber Vittoria. Um, so spring awakening, Amber Vittoria beach club collection and manor house weekend in the fall. And then the gilded holiday collection, um, as well as a collaboration that year with the wing. And we, we learned, I think uh, a lot of stuff, um, that year. One big thing was the enthusiasm with customers for seasonal scents. Like people go crazy for all these fall cozy scents, like cardamom milk is, is one of our big hits. It's got frothy milk and cardamom praline. Um, people love being cozy in the fall. And then in the winter, uh, fallen fur is our big one. Um, so it's balsam fur, winter spice and uh, warm musk. And so, um, Initially, we thought we were maybe going to have completely different collections every year. And what it turned out was that just our customers are so ravenous. And we built up this kind of equity with our seasonal sense that we that we had launched launched with that first year. Um, we decided to, to change them all, then bring them back and kind of expand to those collections and add to them and, and later on introduce new seasonal collections and things like a 1990s collection since scent is the strongest trigger of memory with some nostalgic sense. So um, I think that um, we've stayed really focused. We have ambitions and we've started on a lot of development work to expand, but there's so many things in a product and in learning how to market a product um, that can take time to learn. And, and also like, you know, with a product, like, you know, uh, everything down to like the adhesive that's used on the label or the exact weave of the wick and the fibers used, I mean, all of that has to be customized and optimized and things that have gone, you know, right the first three times can then seriously go wrong and you have a new issue the third time when other things you're correcting is right so we're really like a, we're definitely like a product driven company and i think that um 
working through a lot of like supply chain kinks um, and getting that product down, getting feedback from customers, like further refining it, getting that down um, early on has like really allowed us, I think, to scale like now. What has it been like for you scaling a product, uh, like a physical goods business now also uh, knowing that your background was like in such a different area? <laughs> yes, it, it was. So this is why, you know, you find good people with complementary skill sets to surround yourself with. And so Sayed, my, uh, my co-founder, that was definitely his his area of expertise. Um, so, you know, it brought that together and so that worked well for us, but we started out doing our own fulfillment, which kind of furthered our, I think, um, kind of deep understanding of the product and customer reaction to it and understanding some of the flaws and fixes and improvements that, that we could enact. Um, from a from an early early time and so um the products i mean physical products are scary they're they're like so many things that can go wrong and that do go wrong um and so it's learning you know building those relationships with the right vendors having the second sources um just learned so much during that time and so we eventually did uh we, we've now moved to a 3pl um to do the fulfillment, but, um, you know, those, those years for a couple of years doing it, uh, in Dumbo actually learned a lot. How, how have you kept, uh, no, knowing that you worked with red antler, um, in the early stages, how have you kept the brand fresh? And do you, did you continue that relationship over time or, I'm curious, like how you keep expanding the brand world that you built originally. Yeah. So we, we've got a great relationship with, with Fred Antler and even like our original design team. Um, they've uh, moved on to other kind of uh, employers and projects, but um you know, you, you learn from the best and then you bring it in house. And so uh, we have an incredible uh, design director, Stephanie, um, and worked with, you know, amazing freelancers over the years. And so we, we set up other land as a, as a system, knowing we kind of had the core collection and some of our packaging standards and certain, um, branding items. And then knowing that we would kind of turn that on its head and kind of throw out some of the rules going into our seasonal and different collections. So there are certain rules that are followed as the brand evolves with the different artists, the different vibes, things that change every year um, and, and evolve that way. And I think, um, I think modern brands have to evolve and evolve quickly. And so having a, a system set up from the beginning where we're not committed to one exact look forever i think is has served us well looking back since launching is there i guess also you had so much going on like in your <laughs> personal life also uh is there any advice that you would go back and give yourself that like it wouldn't even have to change 
the outcome of anything, but that might be helpful. Yeah, I wish that, okay, so look, it depends on what kind of company you're starting, of course, um, and, and all of that. But I, I kind of personally wish that I had invested more in, I know people hate this, but like building my profile on social media, um, you know, authentically and, and building that connection building and an audience, it, it can be like just such a powerful tool and um, like, like a free tool. And, and especially if, if you are someone who is comfortable putting yourself out there and, and good at sharing and documenting and bringing people along for the journey, like that can be massive. So I, I kind of wish I had, to be honest, done that earlier and had that be like a little bit more of a focus. Did, did that come naturally for you or um, have you had to work at that over time? So it, it hasn't really, I mean, certain parts um, <laughs> maybe feel a little more comfortable, you know, right. Uh, you know, we, we just got engaged. Here's like a photo about it. Um, but <laughs> kind of like the, the day to day um, sharing of, of life snippets and opinions and, you know, outfits and such. Um, no, it's not an, it, like as an entrepreneur you're also kind of you you know you're you've got to be heads down working harder than everyone everyone else um bringing pulling your company forward every day and it it's just really hard to think like to justify i don't know putting time aside to kind of like focus on that and i get no i guess it didn't really feel like it came naturally to me and i i wish i had worked at it a little harder earlier on. That's interesting. It's definitely, uh, I mean, it makes total sense. Also, I feel like that's completely different advice than I've ever heard anyone go back and give themselves. People don't say that. <laughs> People like won't talk about it, but it's true. And it, and it, you know, it can really help you, build your business and your community and and there's a lot of networking that happens on social and collaboration opportunities that come up and um you know to to be featured as like an expert uh with a, a magazine or, or tv show or something that's that's something you can really build and craft for yourself um and i you know I know people like to hate on influencers or whatever, but it's, it's part of the world of consumer marketing. I totally agree. A weird, uh, weird world that we mm -hmm. now live in. How do yeah. you, uh, how do you try to do that while also being like staying true to who you want to be personally? Or do you even focus yeah. on that? Well, you know, if if it's just something you're not interested in at all, like don't then you know don't don't do it. <laughs> that, that, of course, of course not. But I think um, the most important thing is, I think, authenticity. And people have this 
on the internet, on social media, have a very strong bullshit detector um, that only grows stronger every day. And there's so much like sponsored content and and that kind of thing. Um, and so just being your truest, most unvarnished self, I think um, that's what resonates with people. And, pe- you know, people want to connect with people, not just kind of a, um, a brand. Um, and so I think that, you know, it can be done in a, in a really real way. Um, well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk. I love, uh, love the brand. I think I saw, I saw it originally like right around the time that it launched. I've always oh, really? been, yeah, I've always been a fan oh, of, wow. uh, red antlers work and um yeah just like such a unique and distinctive brand also in a category where there's like so much private label and um yes yeah yeah totally thank you so much wow and and um you know little little did you know back then (laughs) all that was happening behind the scenes i had no Um, idea yeah yeah also the the uh, fact that you did the fulfillment. I oh think God. like from the Entrepreneur, outside entrepreneurs listening, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I think from the outside looking in, like, uh, I don't know. I had this vision. If you were working with red antler, like everything on the back end, but just like the amount of funding that you would have at that time and the infrastructure that would be behind something is like also totally false probably in most cases and like you're trying to figure it out as you go yeah also but because it's so polished on the front end you almost have no idea right exactly you're exactly right um and yeah we were hand delivering them to the post office um (laughs) and continued to do so i mean we had lots of pickups during the day but um <laughs> continued to do so you know until really a couple of years ago so that yeah that is so awesome well thank you again yeah. for taking the time to talk it was so fun no thank you so much i really appreciate it Red, 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 red